Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. A vibe check on crypto in the wake of the Sam Bankman-Fried verdict. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Matt Levin. By now, you've probably heard the trial of Sam Bankman-Fried is over. The verdict for the founder of the bankrupt crypto exchange FTX Guilty on all seven charges, including fraud, money laundering, and campaign finance violations. Bankman-Fried will be sentenced in spring. So how is the world of Bitcoin and the blockchain faring now that its most famous ambassador will likely end up behind bars? Laura Shin is a crypto journalist and hosts the podcast Unchained. I asked her how people in the cryptocurrency world are reacting to the SBF trial. I think many of them think that it was the right verdict because the crypto community understands crypto so well. I think they were a lot earlier than mainstream media. They were a lot earlier than non-crypto people in understanding really what happened. For instance, even to this day, I will hear in media or, for instance, the defense, you know, during the trial was saying things like FTX suffered a bank run. And crypto people know that a bank run should not be possible with a crypto exchange that banks operate on fractional reserves, but crypto exchanges should not for numerous reasons, which I could go into. It might take a little while, but the point is simply that for a crypto exchange, as long as it's operating above board, every single customer, if they all went to withdraw all at once, they should all be able to get their assets back. And so the minute that we woke up on Tuesday morning, November 8th, 2022, and it was announced that Binance was going to buy FTX, everybody knew that FTX had done something wrong. Everybody in crypto, I should say, knew that FTX had done something wrong. And then what's interesting is a lot of the outrage after was about how the mainstream media was covering it, where they seemed to think he had made a mistake or, you know, and people in the crypto world from the get-go were like, no, 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 he did something wrong. So point is that I think for them, this was just a verdict that was a long time coming. I'm really curious how venture capital firms, which provide the seed money for a lot of these crypto startups, how are they feeling about the crypto space now? Honestly, after the FTX collapse, things 
got pretty quiet, obviously. Um, also, this is sort of the tail end of a bear market in crypto. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, there's also a bit of a retrenchment. You know, honestly, <laughs> they probably are at like a slightly better position than they were during the bull market when every VC is just in a FOMO situation. They're all competing against each other. These startups or these different new blockchain projects are, they have the upper hand. So I actually feel like maybe now when things are calmer, they can do more due diligence. There isn't such a frenzy. They can take their time. There isn't as much competition. But you're right. It's been slower for a while, but I think it's actually finally starting to pick back up just a little bit. In the wake of FTX, our U.S. regulators more focused on crypto than they were? For sure. For sure. Shortly after FTX's collapse, there was, in a way, almost an overreaction, I think, against crypto, where people... you know, didn't quite understand that this was fraud. It, you know, fraud could happen in any industry. It doesn't matter, you know, what industry you're doing it in. And so I think there was almost this reaction of, oh, Sam Bankman-Fried was bad, therefore crypto is bad. But I think people are now starting to realize it's sort of the same thing as saying Bernie Madoff was bad, therefore you should avoid the stock market or the stock market is bad. And so, I have seen that actually after that overreaction now, we're kind of seeing a little bit of a dialing back. There was a moment in time when it looked like almost like, you know, crypto is going to become quite politicized where the Democrats were going to kind of largely be against it. Now we're seeing it, you know, not be a uniform reaction amongst them. Um, However, we are seeing a little bit of a generational divide amongst the Democrats where the younger Democratic politicians are more pro-crypto and at least some, not all, but some of the older ones are less so. Interesting. And then just very quickly for Republicans, how does that break down with their attitudes towards crypto post FTX? So I would say the Republicans more generally tend to be a little bit more knowledgeable. There are so many Democratic politicians that are extremely knowledgeable, like Rokana, Richie Torres. I mean, I don't want to discredit any of them at all. But it just seems probably because Bitcoin started as, you know, being a little bit associated with this libertarian movement. Um, And Bitcoin's the oldest and most original, it was the original cryptocurrency. So I do think maybe just the sheer number of Republicans that are knowledgeable is greater. And so I think they did not necessarily go to that overreactive state right after FTX's collapse. We'll be right back with more on what crypto enthusiasts are focusing on next. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Matt Levin. We're back with crypto reporter Laura Shin. What positive things are happening in the crypto space right now? There seems to be a high-profile IPO that may be in the near future. Yeah, I guess it's been floated that perhaps Circle, which runs a well-regulated stablecoin called USDC. And a stablecoin is a crypto whose value is pegged to the value of something else. In this case, the value of the US dollar, as actually, frankly, most stablecoins are. They are, you know, one of those companies where the entrepreneur um, has had actually multiple successful ventures so far. He's, you know, older, a little bit more seasoned. They've definitely gone the compliant route. They have very well-known, reputable partners. And so, frankly, right now, especially for them, I'm sure it's a great business with uh, treasuries, you know, paying a lot and they don't have to pay interest out. 
to their customers who are using USDC. And so if they're backing their issuance of USDC with things like, you know, buying treasuries and such, they're just making that interest themselves. And so I think for them, it's quite a healthy business. And I would imagine that it's the type of company that is ripe for, you know, having an IPO. What has the crypto industry learned in the aftermath of FTX? One of the lessons that I think the crypto community really took away from the whole debacle with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried is that Sam's empire was a quote-unquote centralized empire. And what I mean by that is the crypto community is really focused around building you know, what they say are decentralized applications, meaning there isn't a single point of failure, there isn't one entity that's in control of you know, whatever this new product or service that would be, that would be offered on the internet. And what he was building was something where it was kind of what they see as the old model, where there was a company and it was in charge. And, you know, one of the things actually that precipitated his downfall, which the mainstream might not know about, is that in the month before FTX's collapse, Sam had been championing a bill in Congress and it actually looked like it was going to become law. And the crypto community ended up turning against him when they realized that the way the bill was structured, it would benefit centralized players in crypto over decentralized players. And so frankly, just the whole community kind of turned against him. And so after it collapsed, I noticed I would talk to entrepreneurs, they would talk about how they're doubling down on decentralization. I personally think that that's where the industry is going to put its focus. That was Laura Shin, host of the Unchained podcast. Laura's got a lot of coverage of the SBF trial. You can check that out via our website, marketplacetech.org. If you're still kind of confused about how and why crypto exists, I highly recommend Bloomberg Business Week's The Crypto Story. It's a fantastic long read by the financial journalist Matt Levine. No relation. And if you want a taste of the weirdness that ensues when tens of thousands of Bitcoin true believers come together in the same place, you can check out some of my reporting from Bitcoin 2023. That's North America's largest Bitcoin convention, which I attended in Miami earlier this year. Daniel Shin produced this episode. I'm Matt Levin, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.